0: turn it on. We're going to be in John chapter 20 and verse 21 today uh, as we uh, work through our time of scripture today. So Cinderella and Prince Charming have always been a little bit popular in our house. Uh, It is the day for accidents up here, it appears. So, so yeah, I moved my hand and my mic goes flying down in between the chairs, but I'm good. I'm good. Good. Oh, oh. yeah. So uh, I think we've outgrown the days where my girls would dress up in their play clothes and run around the house and swing magical wands. But, uh, you know, I remember those days and how the kids would read the fairy tales. And how do the fairy tales end? and they all lived happily ever There you go. Sometimes when you're living through a pandemic with your closest loved ones and they all lived happily ever after it takes on a different understanding, doesn't it? Just a little different nuance because there's a, there's a disconnect between the fairy tale and the reality. In the fairy tale, The prince, as always, has perfectly combed hair. Whenever he smiles, his teeth glisten. Everything is just perfect. But in reality, the prince has a bad habit of getting toothpaste on the mirror. He bites his nails. He he despises shopping. And the prince has this bad habit of playing Xbox One until like 2 o'clock in the morning. And Cinderella, I mean, she's beautiful to look at and very, very sweet, but she's also OCD, especially whenever it comes to cleaning. Uh, she likes glass slippers that cost $2,000 a pair at Neiman Marcus. She, she talks to animals, and, and she's, like, hunted by her past. And so, so there's this disconnect between the, and they all lived happily ever after fairy tales that we grow up with, and then the reality of really living. You see, we are taught that there will be a tension in life that exists until love wins. Think about all the different movies, all the different stories. There's a tension, love wins, and then what happens? Then they all live happily ever after. And it creates this expectation that that many of us subtly live with, and that is that peace will be found once we get to this point once we turn this corner once we graduate once we get this once we get to this point in life then peace will be found because the tension will be eliminated but the reality is that living happily ever after requires a peace that moves beyond you a peace that is actually transcendent of the circumstances, and I'm going to argue a peace that only God can give. Only God can give. So last week we began this series, 2021. And in this series we are looking at John chapter 20 and verse 21, kind of unpacking that for you. The context is this is immediately after the crucifixion and resurrection, as Jesus is preparing to ascend, and he is preparing his disciples for this calling to go out into the world, to go and make disciples, that what began there at the resurrection was not supposed to remain there, but it was ultimately supposed to expand so that every girl, boy, woman, and man can hear the gospel and have the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because Jesus Christ loved them, died on the cross for their sins, and overcame death so that anyone who believes might have eternal life in Him. And so look with me. At John chapter 20 and verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, I want you to remember or notice. Four things about following Christ in 2021. Four things about following Christ in 2021. I think we have a slide here for you to see here. The first thing is this, peace to you. Whenever we follow Christ, he tells us that there will be a peace that comes to us from God. This is not a circumstantial peace. It's not simply the elimination of conflict But it is a peace that comes from the Holy Spirit and begins in our heart. Secondly, whenever we follow Christ, it's going to move us beyond ourselves. The gospel is not meant to simply implode upon you. The gospel may begin in your heart, but then it continues through you, and God has gifted you and called you and given you opportunities, whatever they might look like, to be a part of the advancement of the gospel. Thirdly, whenever we follow Christ in 2021, it connects you to the power of the Holy Spirit. You are living in a power, through a power, that is beyond you. And we're going to talk about this uh, that reality here in the coming weeks. And then fourthly, it restores the brokenness of the past. There is forgiveness for the sins of the past. There is purpose for the present. There is hope for the future. Whenever we are living out the gospel as followers of Jesus Christ, There is a beautiful reconciliation that it brings to our relationships and to our past. I find a lot of people remain in the grip of yesterday. And God has all sorts of blessings for you today and tomorrow, but there's no room in our lives for those blessings because we're still so full of yesterday. And sometimes we have to let go of what was and move on to what can be. We should always learn from the past, but we should never live in the past. And so today, I want to unpack this sentence in verse 21, where Jesus comes to his disciples and he says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Do we have any Star Wars fans in the house today? Any Star Wars fans in the house, I figured there would be. In episode four, A New Hope, they were introduced to a phrase in the Star Wars series. I don't know a whole lot about Star Wars, but I figured this might be a point of common interest with some of you all. So, so here we go. I'm trying, I'm trying, okay? So here was the phrase, may the force be with you. Now, here's a bit of nerd trivia for you. Don't they call Star Wars fans like Star Wars nerds? Isn't that what they're called? Sorry, didn't mean to offend. I apologize. Okay. So, the phrase seems to have been originally worked into the series as a result of actor Peter Cushing's frequently signing his letters, may the blessings of God be with you. But now, I want you to understand this. When Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you, he is offering much more than the goodwill of an unknown mystical force. He is not simply saying to us, Hey, try to tap your energy into the universe of the, uh, the energy of the universe so that you might experience that force. He is not saying, hey, let's take the collective good of humankind and let's form this energy aura so that we all follow this force and we find this unknown power within us. Jesus is offering the power and the presence of the very Spirit of God. He is offering us a known reality. Here I am, and I will change you and give you a power from God that transforms your life. Now, This idea of peace be with you, it actually has its roots all the way back deep into the Old Testament. One area where we see it is in Ruth chapter 2. Ruth had migrated from her hometown, after having lost her husband. And so she is beginning her new life. And this man by the name of Boaz, who had become her husband, arrives from Bethlehem. And so he goes out to all of his harvesters. So you picture all these guys out in the field. They're getting ready to do a day's worth of work, uh, hard, hard labor out in the fields where there is some danger. And Boaz goes to the harvesters, and he says to them in verse 4 of chapter 2 in Ruth, The Lord be with you. And they reply, The Lord bless you. And so there was this exchange in Hebrew culture that was fairly common. When farmers would go out into the fields, when they would go out to seek the harvest, the foreman would say to them, The Lord be with you. And they, in turn, would respond, and the Lord blessed you. It was connected to this idea of the harvest. We are going out, and we are praying that God will bless the harvest. And so, as God says, peace be unto you, as Jesus says, peace be unto you, and then he is sending his disciples out, he is praying God's blessings upon them as they take the gospel to the ends of the earth. If you grew up uh, in what's called a mainline denomination, Lutheran, Methodist, uh, Presbyterian, then you may, you may remember at communion. The uh, minister would say something like, the Lord be with you, and then what do the, the worshipers respond with? And also with, you. And, and also with you, or "And with you as well. And the meaning is, that we are praying the presence and protection of God upon our energies and upon our efforts as we go out to live our lives for Christ. So what does Jesus mean in John chapter 20 and verse 21 when he says to his disciples, Peace be with you. Now this is the place in the movie where the screen goes black And there's just white letters across the screen. And the letters say, three days earlier. So go back with me in your minds to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there Jesus has just had this intense time of prayer. He has just instituted the Lord's Supper there in the upper room. And there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is met by Judas and the temple police, and they apprehend him. They take him under arrest. And what do the disciples do at that point? Do you remember? They run. They run in fear. They run for their lives. Only Peter and probably John Mark followed from afar. Now, the next morning, word begins to spread Uh, around town that there is a trial taking place on the steps of Fort Antonia. That was the Roman fortress there in Jerusalem, located right next to the temple. So put yourself in the disciples' sandals. Imagine the fear whenever you watched Jesus go through the scourging. Imagine the fear whenever you heard the crowd, the same crowd that a week earlier had welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem and proclaimed him to be the Messiah, that same crowd a week later is shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Imagine hearing that. Put yourself there. Put yourself in their circumstances. Over about 10 days period of time, they had watched Jesus be betrayed, beaten, beaten, Crucified. They had endured natural phenomena like an eclipse, a massive earthquake, the death of their leader. The rumors of resurrection had now begun to spread. And here they were wondering what's next. And so you can understand why they were fearful. In fact, let's go back a little bit to verse 19 there in John chapter 20. I I misspoke in the worship guide. I was originally planning to speak from the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. But as I was putting together the message, I never got to Matthew chapter 5 because I landed in John chapter 20 and verse 19 and just couldn't get past that. But here's what Jesus says in verse 19 of John chapter 20, or what the Bible says. When it was evening of the first day of the week, The disciples were gathered together with the doors locked. Now, why did they have the doors locked? Because, talk to me here, they feared the Jews. And Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. So it's now Sunday night, the sun is going down, and the disciples are self-quarantining. Now, they're not afraid of COVID. They're afraid of their neighbors. In fact, they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. And into this isolation scene, into this scene that is dripping with fear, suddenly Jesus appears. Now, if Jesus just suddenly appeared right now in our midst, how would you respond? How would you respond if if Jesus just suddenly appeared? Some of you are super spiritual, and you say, I will bow on my knees and cry, glory, glory. But here's the reality if you kind of look back in Scripture when Jesus appeared to people. You would probably be scared. You would probably be fearful. And you might even be just a bit skeptical. Is this Jesus or is this someone pretending to be Jesus? You know exactly what, what is happening here. Now it strikes me that at this point the disciples really had nothing to offer. They had nothing to offer. One of the big struggles, bless you, one of the big struggles that the disciples had was that they were really stuck in an earthly vision Really, they, they struggled to get their minds around this idea that Jesus was a king, but he was a king over a spiritual kingdom. And so at this point, their dreams had been dashed. Their plans had been marred beyond repair. You ever had your plans marred? Just a few times along the way. Anybody have any 2020 plans that were marred? Yeah, and you thought 2021 was a good start. It was going to be a fresh start, and then look where we are, right? So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we know what it's like to have your plans disrupted. And their emotions were so devastated. And I think really all they had left to do was sit and wallow in fear. In other words, they were in a perfect place to be used by God. They had reached the end of their self-sufficiency. Their plans were blown up. All they had to offer was themselves. You see, the path to purpose always visits the place of fear. And the path of faith always crosses the reality of my personal insufficiency. This week, I think I mentioned earlier, I received more messages about people being diagnosed, hospitalized. I didn't receive a message about anybody that's actually a member of our church, but we had a lot of members who contacted us with family members who, who had died with COVID or asking for prayer because of a really difficult uh, circumstances. This week, more than any other week so far, this is a terrible disease, and one of the things that makes it so scary is that for some people, um, they hardly show any symptoms. They get COVID, and maybe you have a little cough and a stuffy nose, but two, three days later, you're, you're feeling fine. And then for others, it's kind of like having the flu. You know, you're put down for a few days, and then, you know, by 10 days, you're you're doing pretty well, and then there's others, and you really don't know who, if you're one or not, that if you get COVID, it can become life-threatening very, very quickly. In fact, let me just ask this question. How many of you guys know somebody or knew somebody that has passed away from COVID? Do we have anybody in the room that knows somebody that's passed away from COVID? How many of you guys know somebody that has it right now? Yeah, how about somebody in the hospital right now with COVID? Several, several of you. And so as we have gone through this pandemic together, most of us have visited this place called fear. And there's been times where we have had to visit our own personal insufficiency. And so we can relate to the apostles, doors locked DoorDash on the way, hunkered down, quarantine, and isolation. But then that's when Jesus appears in the story. That's when Jesus appears there in in verse 20 and verse 21. Jesus says to them, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. In verse 21 having said this, I'm sorry, in in verse 19, Jesus suddenly enters into the room. Now, let's talk a little bit about how Jesus moved these disciples from fear to action. How did he move them from fear to action? Three things here. Number one, he came to them. Now, Jesus had already appeared Mary Magdalene in the garden. Peter and John had already seen the empty tomb. Jesus could have said, hey, look, the disciples are big boys. They know where I am. I'm here in the garden. So I'm going to water the flowers and I'm going to pull some weeds and they know where to find me. The disciples probably should have had more initiative. It's easy for us to kind of sit here and look back on the disciples and say, why were they scared? Why were they sitting in the room? Why didn't they have more initiative to go out and find the risen Savior? But realize this, ministry is all about meeting people at their point of need. Aren't you glad that Jesus meets us where we are and then takes us to where we should be? He meets us where we are, and then through His power and His might, transforms us into what we should be. And sometimes in church, we develop this mentality of, well, they know where we are, 411 South Murphy, murphychurch.com. We've got a presence out there. They know where we are. Let them come to us. Remember that movie, Field of Dreams? Way, way back, yeah. Uh, Sometimes we develop field of dreams theology. If we build it, they will come. If we build it, they will come. And so we retreat into our stained glass monasteries and we build country clubs with steeples on top where we have some morality about us. But we don't truly participate in the advancement of the gospel. Ministry goes Ministry shares the gospel. That's not just something for the pastor or for the music minister or for the deacons. Every year of life that God has called you to has an opportunity to be a part of the advancement of the gospel. But we have to quit thinking Hey, we've built it so they will come, and we have to start meeting people at their point of need with the reality of the forgiveness of the gospel. Who can you reach with the gospel? Whose life can you make a difference in in your world? Go outward. Jesus came to them. Secondly, he reassured them. He brought them comfort. Now, let me take just a little detour, but it fits in. Parents, have you ever asked yourself, why does my toddler throw fits? They were such a sweet baby. What happened on their second birthday? Or have you ever asked yourself, why do teenagers, I know none of the teenagers in the room do this, But why do teenagers sometimes throw down attitude? Now, I know why. It's because God needs to save their little wretched souls, right? Yeah. 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 Tantrums and attitude, they are a part of boundary testing. They do need to be disciplined. But they're also a part of children asserting and finding their independence. And sometimes, independence, we push the boundary to see what we can get away with and to see is there anyone that really cares? Is there anyone that loves me enough to guide me? So there's actually an element of belonging in a tantrum. Many times, people act out because they're insecure. What they're needing is reassurance that they belong. So back to the child. Parents, grandparents, you have to deal with the misbehavior. Whenever there's misbehavior, you do have to appropriately discipline it, but you never want to deal with it in a manner that says to the child, you don't belong. You don't belong. You want to discipline within that environment of security. Discipline from the security of love. So Jesus could have rebuked the disciples He could have been hard-edged. He could have gone off on them. Hey, what was up in the garden? You ran. Why are you locked behind the door, scared? Aren't you men? Man up. Let's go outside. Let's, Let's do something. But instead, Jesus realizes that his disciples need to be reassured. And so he says to them, Peace be to you. And then he takes the time to show him his wounds, show them his wounds. He's real. You're not dreaming. <laughs> I'm real. And so the end result was that the disciples rejoiced. And as you project into the future, the end result is this group of guys that ran for the woods in the garden become world changers. They absolutely transform the known world in their lifetimes with the power of the gospel. Jesus takes this group and turns them into men of God. And this is the third thing that I want you to notice. He sent them. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me Just as I crossed the cosmos, landed in Bethlehem, lived a life that you could never live, died on the cross for your sins, overcame death so that you might have eternal life in me, I am also sending you into the world to be ambassadors of the gospel. The peace that God brings into your life is meant to be shared, the message of Jesus lands in your heart and then moves outward and invades your actions, your relationships, your attitude, your calling. God has sent you, me, us into this world to share the message of peace. But now quickly, let's make sure we understand this. Peace does not mean the absence of war and conflict. Now one day, Christ will come again. But today, in the fallen world in which we live, peace does not mean that just because you believe in Christ, there'll be no more struggle. Peace is not the election of your favorite candidate to office. That's not what world peace is either. That's not the peace of the gospel either. Got a little quiet, didn't it? Peace is not a steepled country club where we eat, drink, and be merry and turn our noses up at the world because they're not as good as we are. The shalom, the peace of Christ, is the work of the cross. It's the work of reconciliation that God has brought near to you and to me through jesus christ and so i want to end this morning by reading to you a couple passages of scripture that deal with peace i hope that god speaks to you through these scriptures i hope that the spirit instills within you the peace of the cross but i also hope that god is beginning to work within you his calling for your life in 2021 that calling that gets beyond you and allows you to be a part of the advancement of peace, the advancement of the gospel. So listen to this. I think it's also on the screen from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility In his flesh. He made of no effect the law, consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put. The hostility of sin to death, and he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away, and the peace to those who were near. The good news of peace is meant for those of us who live in the United States of America, those that live right here in your Jerusalem, but it's also meant for those who are far away. Because Jesus sent us to be a part of this explosive movement that we call the church that brings the message of peace to all people. Let's look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. That word justified is a judicial term. It literally means that the gavel has fallen and you have been declared by God not guilty through the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have, what's the word? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand. So God is not this distant cosmic force. We have access to Him and we stand in grace, the ground beneath us is secure. It is not a legalistic, does God love me today? Does God not love me tomorrow? It is a secure, loving grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So our aim is not to proclaim my greatness. Our aim is to proclaim the glory of God. And not only that, it gets better, but we also boast in our afflictions. Now verse 2 was pretty easy. I get to boast in the glory of God. But verse 3 says, now I'm supposed to even boast in my afflictions. When life gets hard, I proclaim the greatness of God. Why? Because we as believers have a knowledge of We know that affliction is producing endurance, endurance is producing within us that elusive thing called character, and proven character, when it goes through the affliction, on the other side of great pain is great strength, and on the other side of that affliction is a hope that looks towards the eternal and looks beyond the temporal. And verse 4 says that when you go through this, it produces within you hope. Now many of us have put our hope in a lot of different things that disappointed us. We put our hope in people. We put our hope in jobs. We put our hope in movements. But the Bible says that this hope that we have in Christ will not disappoint us because it never ends. The hope that we have in Christ lasts forever. It goes beyond the world because God's love has been poured out, poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so, my friends, we have peace, peace that comes from God through Jesus peace that changes us and lasts forever and it's a peace that goes beyond you and connects your life to the movement that we call the church during this time we're not doing come forward invitations if you will but i do invite you to respond to the gospel It might be that today needs to be the day where right there at your seat, you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You say, "Lash, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. It's not a magical formula. You just surrender. Surrender in faith, trusting in Christ as Lord and Savior. It might be that You've had that moment of salvation in your life, but you've never gone public with it. And you need to be baptized. Perhaps God's leading you to be a part of this church. I've learned this over the years that every guest that comes through these doors has a story. You might be new to the community, or you might be coming from another congregation. There might be some hurt. And we're not a perfect church. I like what Tony Evans says, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. (laughs) We're not a perfect church. But we are a group of believers seeking to follow Jesus. And if God is leading you to be a part, we'd love to have you be a part of this church. Maybe God's calling you in some way in your life to go. I'm not sure exactly what the circumstances are of your life, but I received a note from someone earlier this week wanting to go on a medical mission trip. I think that's great. How is it that your life and your calling can be connected to the gospel? And maybe there's somebody in your life that you can reach out to, somebody that's hurting, that you can make a difference in their life. Feel free to talk to me after the service. You can also send me a note, Murphychurch.com. I'll reach out to you. I'd love to walk with you as God leads you to make decisions for Him. Would you all be so kind as to bow your heads? Father, we thank You for the peace that passes understanding. We thank You, Lord, for a Savior that comes near, for a Savior that reassures, and for a Savior that sins. And I pray that we will be able to understand that there is truly a peace that goes beyond just a happier tomorrow, but a peace that lasts forever. And may you allow our lives to have that living water quality that draws people to the cross, that quenches bitterness, drain us of anger, fill us with faith, and may you use our church and may you use our lives in such a way that we are able to see many, many people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior and mature in their walk with him. Help us, Lord, to be a part of a global movement of peace that transforms hearts, heals marriages, transforms communities, and ultimately proclaims the greatness of our Savior Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray and worship. Amen. Let's stand together. Let me hear you sing, church, as the band leads. If you need to pray during this time, feel free to be seated there at your, cha- at your chair and just pray.